Well, good morning. It's good to see your smiling faces, or at least the masks that I know are hiding your smiling faces. And uh, um, Right now, uh, through the congregation, um, I, I have a helper helping me. Thank you very much, Susan. Um, you're all... I'm giving you a, a scarlet cord to hold on to. No, no, not red, not red, scarlet. Scarlet is a, a different kind, a special kind of red. It's not just red, it's got some other uh, tints to it. But scarlet is a very special color. It's been significant throughout history. Uh, a lot of times people see it as festive and, and attractive. It's kind of the, the, the party, uh, the, the revelry uh, color. Um, it makes a bold statement. Uh, when the U.S. Marine Band plays for the president, they wear scarlet tunics. Uh, if you go up to the neighbors in the north, Canada, the uh, Royal Mounted uh, Police Force, the, the Mounties, uh, always get their man, they wear scarlet uh, uniforms. Um, and so it makes, a, it makes a bold statement. It's also very distinctive because Throughout the centuries, scarlet has been the color of sin. Isaiah would say, uh, though your sins are as scarlet. Um, The Apostle John, uh, as he was writing the book of Revelation, he talked about how the evil city, Babylon, um, was dressed in scarlet and purple and riding on a scarlet beast. And then even in our own history, uh, Nathaniel Hawthorne, who wrote the Scarlet Letter, he was talking about the punishment that the uh, colonial, uh, in colonial times, uh, how the, the society would, would put a punishment on somebody who had been convicted of adultery by wearing a Scarlet A. And so throughout the centuries, Scarlet is seen as this very, very distinct, very significant, very bold, very brazen color. Now, I want you to keep holding that cord today because I want you to understand that that marks you. In a couple of ways, it marks you. This morning, I want us to see not just the sin that is represented by the scarlet cord, but how the hope that we have in Jesus. All my hope is in Jesus. I'm so glad that you picked that song, by the way. The, the hope that we have in Jesus, the hope for our redemption and salvation and forgiveness is wrapped up in a scarlet thread as well, and how your life truly is hanging by a thread. Now, our main story today is actually part of a larger story, and the larger story is what I want to flannel graph today. It's the story of Joshua and the Battle of Jericho. Now, here's, here's what was going on. God had led the people out of Egypt, but they had disobeyed God. They had seen giants in the land, and they did not think that they could go and do any kind of conquest. So God punished them and allowed an entire generation to die out before they would go into the promised land. Only two men, Joshua and Caleb, who were part of that generation, would get to go into the promised land. And in fact, Joshua would have the privilege of being the new leader of the people. So Joshua would bring all of the people of God around uh, to the east side of the Jordan River, and just like the first generation had passed through the Red Sea, God miraculously allowed these people to pass through the Jordan River into the land. 
And they were ready for conquest, finally. And the very first city-state that they would have encountered on the west side of the Jordan was a very well-fortified town called Jericho. Now, Jericho, uh, city-states back there, uh, each city-state would kind of be its own entity, have its own king, have its own protection, have its own militia. And Jericho was very much like that. So Joshua had sent spies ahead to just check things out. And when they came back, they told them about the layout of the city. Then God says to Joshua, Joshua, as, you're, as you are getting ready for battle, as Joshua was looking down on the city, God told him very specific instructions on what to do to, to capture the city of Jericho. And so Joshua went and told the people about what to do, and this is what happened. They gathered all the people together, and they put the priests out in front of the army. And the priests were to blow trumpets as the the people would march around the city walls one time, first day. Then they would go back to their camp. The second day, they were to do the exact same thing. Put the priests out in front with the, the horns. Then they would march around the city one time. Now, by this time, I, I'm sure that the, the, the people of Jericho were standing on the walls just watching. They, they had just brought in their harvest. They, they were secure inside of their walls for months. They, they could withstand a siege. This didn't bother them at all. In fact, they, they might have found it kind of humorous watching these people just march around the wall. Day three, one time around. Then they went back to their camp. Day four, one time around. And at this point, maybe the people on the wall, they're, they're, they're bringing family. They're bringing a picnic lunch to watch what's going on. They're singing, I love a parade. Da, 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 da. Fifth day, one time around, go back to camp. Sixth day, one time around, back to camp. Seventh day, though, something different. At this point, the the Israelites were probably even thinking, wow, I don't know how this is going to work, but we're trusting God. God says on the seventh day, you are to march around the city seven times, and on the seventh time, you are to raise a triumphal shout, and... The priests start to blow the horns. And then God said, watch what happens. And sure enough, after that seventh time around the city, they shouted to God. There was a great trumpet blast. And the walls came a-tumbling down. You've heard that song, right? And at this point, the people of God ran into the city and began the conquest, as every man, woman, and child would have been taken out, except for one family. And we're going to get to this family a little bit later on. This is going to be our main story. But one, one family was able to escape. And the people of God were able to take away a, a lot of loot and treasures many of which were supposed to be dedicated to the Lord as they finally laid waste to a great city of Jericho. So that's, that's the story, the, the overarching story. But 
I want to get into the story of the gal whose family was able to escape. It's, it's this woman who was able to not have to, to deal with the punishment of God over the city. The walls came a-tumbling down, except for <laughs> in one part of the wall. In fact, uh, answers in Genesis, according to answers in Genesis, it's been confirmed by an archaeological dig back in the 1900s by a German team that all of the walls of this ancient city of Jericho really did come down except for a portion of the north wall, of which some of those walls were still standing eight feet tall. And they confirmed that people actually had their homes built up against the wall. So it's very, very exciting for me to, to know that archaeology once again proves the Bible true. As we look at Joshua chapter 2, now if you're in the Pew Bibles and you have the soft bound, it's on page 117, Joshua 2. If you have the hard bound, it's going to be on page 208, Joshua 2. I, I love the fact that her story lines up with what archaeology tells us really did happen with the wall. The walls really did come tumbling down, and there was a portion of the wall that did not. And in that portion of the wall were homes. So it's this woman that I want to focus in on this morning. Her story is actually why we are holding the scarlet cord today. She's a woman of whom this color scarlet would have marked her for her sin, but also would mark her for a much higher purpose than just what she could have ever done in her own life. A lady whose life was being held by a thread. Her name is Rahab, and her story is in Joshua 2, and we're also going to be in Joshua 6. Now, as Joshua was preparing to lead the people into the promised land, he had, like I said, he had sent two spies into the city. And while they were there, the spies took refuge with Rahab who we are told was a prostitute. Let's look at verses 2 and following. The, the king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent his, this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gates, the men left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax that she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Here's a woman who decided to take action. Now, her story is not just found here in the book of Joshua. In fact, Rahab will be mentioned in three New Testament books. The, the, uh, the book of Matthew, uh, the book of James, and the book of Hebrews. Throughout this message, actually, I want to bring up those particular passages as well. Um, let's real quick look at James chapter 2. James chapter 2, this is what James says about Rahab. He says, in the same way was not even Rahab, the prostitute, considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. Now, the context of what James is talking about, 
by bringing Rahab into his argument, is that her life at this point of her story represented what true faith is all about. James is trying to say that faith is not just an intellectual assent, like, yes, I I know something is true. Faith is actually acting on what you know to be true, putting your full weight, your full trust in something. And it prompts action, not just acknowledgement. So here's Rahab. She's a foreigner. She's a sinful, immoral lady. She should have died along with the rest of the inhabitants of Jericho. But even though her life had been marked by the scarlet of her sin to this point, God considered her righteous when she showed faith in him and showed favor to the Hebrew spies. Now, why? Why would a lady like this turn traitor to her own people in order to save the necks of a couple of foreign spies? It was very simple, folks. She had heard of God's power. She had heard of God's power. She had heard of the power of the God of Israel. And she believed not only in his power to destroy, but in also his power to save. Where we continue in the book of Joshua, uh, chapter 2. Let's look at verse 8. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that Jehovah God has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. And when we heard of it, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God of heaven above and on the earth below. Here's a woman. We don't know how old she is. She was either a very young girl when God, through Moses, had led his people out of Egypt and through the Red Sea. Or she hadn't even been born yet if she was uh, under 40 years of age. It was over 40 years prior to this event right here in Joshua chapter 2. And yet Rahab knows the story. She knows the story. She knows the story of the Red Sea. She knows about the power of Israel's God. She says, by the way, we all knew about it. We all have heard about it. And our hearts melted. Our hearts melted when we'd heard about the power of your God. Now, I, I want to pause real quick right here. A couple of reasons. Number one, there's too many paddings on my chair up here. Sorry about that. I'm just, I'm just really uncomfortable. Ah, there we go. But, but I want you to go back. Remember why Israel was prevented from going into the promised land 40 years prior to this event? They had sent 12 spies into the land, and the spies had come back with these incredible stories of the bounty of the land. A land flowing with milk and honey, clusters, great clusters that four men would have to, to haul away. They were so heavy. And as they came back, 10 of the spies, 10 out of the 12, 10 spies convinced God's people that though the land was amazing, the people who were living in the land were too big, too powerful for them to, to go in and, and take over, that it was going to be an impossible task, even though their God told them that they can do it and that he would fight for them. They declined to obey God. 
And God then brought judgment on them by allowing this whole generation to pass away before the people could enter into the promised land. However, out of those 12 spies, there were two of them, like I said, Joshua and Caleb, who had encouraged the people that they could do this, that they needed to obey God, that God was going to fight through them. Those are the only two men in that entire generation that God allowed to come into the promised land 40 years later. There they were, Joshua and Caleb. I I wonder if Joshua may have sent only two people to spy out Jericho because he understood all you need is two. All you need is two guys with faith in one God, right? Uh, You don't need the ten trying to dissuade everybody else. So maybe, maybe that's why he only picked two to go in. But anyway, what Rahab tells these two guys is so ironic in light of this story that I just told you. Because if the people of God, though they were a little bit uneasy about attacking such a a powerful people, if they had just obeyed God, they would have encountered a people whose hearts had already melted. The folks in army whose hearts had melted would not have been any, put up any kind of fight at all. They would have been able to go in and, and take over the land immediately because the people were so afraid of this God. If only they had just trusted. Oh well, (laughs) Uh, that uh, was really bad for one entire generation. But now here's Rahab. She knows God's power and she wants in. Now nothing that Rahab has done to this point of her life qualifies her to live in, in the kingdom of God. Nothing about her life qualifies her to be part of God's people. And yet now, at this point of her life, she believes in the power of that God and she wants to be on the winning side. So she asks a favor. Look at verse 12. Now then, she says, please swear to me by the Lord, by Jehovah God, that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and that you will save us from death. It almost sounds to me like what the criminal on the cross would have said to Jesus. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Rahab is saying, please remember us when you come and overpower this city. And the men agreed. And as a symbol of their pact, they chose a very intriguing sign. Look at verses 14 through 21. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when Jehovah God gives us this land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house that she lived in was part of the city wall. Now she had said to them, go to the hills so that the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there for three days until they return, and then go your way. And the men said to her, This oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down and unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers and all your family into your house. If anyone goes outside of your house into the street, his blood will be on his own head. We will not be responsible. As for anyone who is in the house with you, his blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on him. But if you tell us what we are doing, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. Agreed, 
She replied, let it be as you say. So she went, sent them away and they departed and she immediately tied the scarlet cord in the window. Scarlet, once again, sending a message. Unmistakable, indelible. The sign of immorality and sin is about to become a red badge of courage and faith and a sign of salvation. Some may look at this as of what's being offered to the sinful woman and they, they, they might protest, thinking, no, 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 no. She, she didn't earn this. She's been a sinful woman. God would not give her this kind of grace. God doesn't operate like that. For some people, for some believers, there are certain sins that are way too scarlet for even God to be able to forgive. They're like indelible, like a Sharpie. <laughs> I, I remember getting in trouble as a six-year-old when I created a mural on my closet wall with a Sharpie. Can't wash that off. It, it might be worth something today. I don't know. This was back in, oh, I don't know, 74? I don't know. It could, it could be worth something today. I don't know. Anyways, you, you, you know who didn't think that, uh, that Rahab's sin was unforgivable? Rahab. She goes, uh, I'm unforgivable. That's not true. God would say, no, not true. She's not unforgivable. Folks, the red cord that you're holding today says, no, that's not true. There are no sins outside of blaspheming the Holy Spirit, which is not putting faith in who Jesus is. There is no sin in your past that is unforgivable, that God cannot redeem and use for his glory and his kingdom. Scarlet, being a sign of sin, now becomes for Rahab a sign of salvation. You see, God is willing, he is able, he is ready to save anyone, no matter what your past. Anyone who will come to him in faith. Check out what the author of Hebrews says about Rahab. He says that by faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient. Because she had received the spies in peace. I, I love the fact that Troy brought in John 3.16 because it uses that same word, perish. That those who believe shall not perish. You see, God's promise of salvation is available to anyone who, like Rahab, will trust in his power, who will put her entire weight on that trust. It includes every Rahab, every Abraham, every Gideon, every King David, every Peter, every one of us whom the red thread, the scarlet thread touches even today and marks us as sinful, needing a Savior. So whoever you are and whatever you have done, it was Isaiah the prophet that said, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. They will be cleansed. The, the scarlet color washed away. See, this scarlet really is not indelible according to God's power, according to God's word. You can be clean as white as snow. Just like Rahab, all you got to do is ask. Acknowledge God's power and say, I want to be on his team. And as you hold that scarlet cord today, you've got to understand that really your life was hanging by a thread, just like Rahab's. But by trusting in God's word, you are offered Immunity from the penalty of your sin because of what Jesus did on the cross. I, I want us to jump real quick to Joshua chapter 6. 
This is kind of the end of the story, the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say. If you look at uh, verse 15 of, of chapter 6, it says, On the seventh day they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times at the same manner, except that on that day they circled the city seven times. And the seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for Jehovah God has given you the city. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who were with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies that we sent. But keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to Jehovah God and must go into his treasury. When the trumpets sounded, the people shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the people gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So every man charged straight in, and they took the city. and They devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with a sword every living thing in it, men, women, young and old, cattle, sheep, donkeys. Joshua said to the two men, who went to spy out the land, go into the prostitute's house and bring her out and all who belong to her in accordance with your oath to her. So the young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father and mother, her brothers and all who belonged to her. They brought out her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. And then they burned the whole city and everything in it. But they put the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house. But Joshua spared Rahab, the prostitute, with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. God was faithful to his promise to Rahab. And she and all of her family were not only saved from destruction, but they gained new identities as now part of the people of God. And the cord that once stood for sin now was Rahab's salvation. In the last century, I've been told every rope, whether long or short, every rope that's used by every ship in the British Navy had a scarlet thread running through it from end to end. And whether that rope was maintained or whether it was lost or stolen, whether it was sunk in the waves, though it might even be cut into small pieces, that scarlet thread running through the rope was proof that that rope was the king's. It belonged to the royal crown. It had the mark of the king. Folks, there's a scarlet cord that runs through our scriptures. It's the scarlet cord of blood that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. It's there as Adam and Eve would leave the Garden of Eden, clothed in the skin of an animal, whose blood covered up their sin. It's there as the people of God who were enslaved in Egypt put the blood of the lamb on the doorposts one night so that when the angel of death would pass through Egypt, it would not kill the firstborn of that house, but it would pass over that house. And it was there as Jesus would show up on the scene as the spotless lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world by shedding his blood on the cross of Calvary. And check this out, folks, coursing through the veins of Jesus, coursing through the blood of his humanity, the blood that would be spilled on the cross, that blood could be traced back to guess who? Rahab. 
See, in the Gospel of Matthew, we, something, we see something miraculous in the genealogy of Jesus, our Messiah, the Son of God, right there in the middle of some amazing people of Israel's history, people like Abraham and, and Jacob and, and David and Zerubbabel, right there amongst all of those people, we find Rahab's name. She becomes the great-great-grandmother of King David. She becomes the great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother of the Messiah, Jesus. Talk about an identity switch. A wanton woman, a sinner stained with scarlet, being, becoming now an honored woman in Israel and an integral part in the plan to bring about the birth of the Savior of the world. Right now, I'd invite the worship team to come on up as we kind of close today. There are two very, very important things that I want you to, to get. Yeah, you can leave the, the scarlet cord there. First of all, for every person here who has become aware of the scarlet stain of your sin, I want you to see Rahab's story as hope for you. If you will only come to trust in the power of God as the one who can make you white as snow, then it doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter what you've done. You could have been the absolute worst of sinners. The power of God is greater than your sin. You can come to Him who can make you white as snow. God will show up. He will forgive you. He will cleanse you. He will reshape you. And He will utilize you for eternal purposes, just as He did with Rahab. There is nothing that you have done, nothing you can do that will disqualify you from having your identity changed from lost to found, from sinner to saint, from stained to cleansed and sanctified. That's number one. Number two, for every person here who does not feel particularly stained because you came to Jesus a long time ago, or you you may look at your life and say, you know what, I, I haven't really done that bad of things. I'm not as bad as uh, Rahab the prostitute, simply because the the struggles that you deal with are not quite as obvious as other people's sin. I I want you to look down at what you're holding. You got to remember this, that the stain of sin, the scarlet of sin touches you as well. So Rahab's story needs to be a reminder for you. A couple weeks ago, I brought up uh, Mr. Rogers, a big part of my growing up. Uh, Today I want to talk to you about a a skit on Sesame Street, also a a big thing for me growing up. Ernie and Bert. I I wanted to show this clip, but then I I realized that YouTube might kick us off because it may be, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, copyrighted. So I'm just going to tell you the story. Bert comes in and, and Ernie's got this string tied to his thumb. And of course Bert says, well, Ernie, what's that string for? He goes, well, Bert, that's to remind me of something. You, know, you put a string on your finger so you, you, you remember. He goes, well, what, what, is that, what is that reminding you of, Ernie? He goes, well, that, that, that string right there uh, reminds me that I got a string on this finger. <laughs> oh, okay, says Bert. Well, what does that string on that finger remind you of? He goes, well, that string reminds me of the string that I have on this finger. And as you know, probably the story, he goes on and you, you see right there uh, on, the, uh, on, the, on the screen that he's got both hands filled with string. He finally gets to the last one, and Bert says, well, what does that string remind you of? And Ernie says, well, that reminds me that we've uh, run out of string. (laughs) We're all out of string. We need to buy more string. Strings do help us remember. 
threads help us remember. I hope this story serves as a reminder to you of what your reality was before Calvary. Remember that you were marked as well. There's no real difference between what you deal with and in your sinful nature and, and what other people deal with. We're all under judgment because of our sin. We've all been marked with scarlet. We all hold that thread. But as a miracle took place in the outer wall of Jericho so long ago, as God would use a scarlet cord to symbolize the salvation of a family, so too a miracle has taken place through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And His blood, that scarlet thread being poured out as a means of payment for our sin, making us white as snow. Amen. Thank you. Secondly, please understand that your salvation will always be more than just about you getting to go to heaven. For Rahab, yes, her trust in God allowed her to survive. She didn't die along with the other Jerichoans. But God had a bigger plan for Rahab, didn't he? The miracle that he performed in her life wasn't only the forgiveness of her sin and the salvation of her physical body. It wasn't merely about being saved from destruction. The miracle was about God's overarching plan to bring this foreign sinful woman into the lineage that would bring about the Messiah into the world. Rahab was used by God to redeem the entire world through a totally different kind of scarlet cord, the blood of Jesus on the cross. So are you willing to put that scarlet cord out the window of your life today? Those who are gathered here today, I suspect you already did that a a while ago. But those of you watching at home, maybe you've never made that decision to say, I want to take that thing that was supposed to be my destruction and I want to put that out there for God to use that then as a reminder that He wants to forgive me and wash that scarlet white as snow through the scarlet of His blood. If so... It would just take a a, a request like Rahab had. So I'd ask you to bow with me in prayer as we close. It's not the words that you would have to say that that are the most important. It's really the, the meaning behind it, the heart behind it. But God invites all of us to come to him saying, God, I know of your power and I know of my sin. And I know that I could not save myself because of my sin. So I ask for your mercy. I ask for your forgiveness, that you would accept me into your family, that you would then wash me white as snow, that you would give me a blank slate so that I might start my life over again, living a brand new life, a new birth, born again into your spirit, living no longer for myself but for you. I want to be used by you in a significant way. I want to be used by you for your eternal kingdom. And so I today claim that scarlet cord of your blood that was shed for me, as you become my Savior and my Lord. God, for those who have prayed that prayer today, Lord, I would pray that you would encourage them in their hearts to know that they are saved, that they are forgiven, that there's nothing that they could have done in their past that is unforgivable as they come to you and call upon you and claim that scarlet cord for themselves. So God, may you look down and give them that security in their hearts to know that they are part of your forever family, And Lord, I'd pray that you'd guide them to people who might encourage them in their faith. And Lord, if they would even join us here at our campus, that would be an amazing thing for us to get to know those people. Thank you so much for giving us the story of of Rahab, a, a sinful woman marked by scarlet who saw scarlet as being something bigger than just the mark of her sin. May we live as forgiven people 
and bring the good news to this world that their sins, though they may be as scarlet, can be as white as snow. So work through us, God. Shine through us. We love you so much. It's nothing but the blood of Jesus that makes us right with you. And we want to have that on our lips as we close today. I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.